1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, brought to you by Shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
0: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined by Sean Moran and Shrell McMillan. We are sponsored, as always, by shirt and JohnnyTshirt.com. Unfortunately, guys, we are having to do this week's podcast after another UNC defeat. This time, Clemson comes into the Dean Dome, wins for the first time ever in that building, breaking the losing streak. A lot has been written about this game, but let's just address it very quickly. I mean, Sean, it was kind of a situation where UNC played great for 48 minutes. I'm sorry, for 38 minutes. And then the final two, that's all it took for them to somehow lose yet another game in which they were leading by double digits. Yeah, I mean,
2: the first... 38 minutes, they're up uh, 68 55 after two Armando free throws, and you know even going up to that point, there was a lot of areas where you said, "Wow, you know they're still up despite doing X or Y." Um, I mean, you can go back to halftime; they could have been up 13 going into the half, and instead they're up 10, and all of a sudden that lead you know goes away in a hurry. But at the same point, they're still up double digits. 38 minutes left, and then uh, Clemson puts in. Hunter Tyson, he hits a three, and then it was just a, a very quick and rapid downfall from there. Uh, you know, it's still kind of hard to believe what happened because, you, you know, you kind of thought it was in the bag and they're going to continue the winning streak. And then, you know, even when Brent and Robinson hit the two free throws to go up three, you're like, all right, they, you know, they're going to going to survive despite all the turnovers and then all of a sudden uh bam they come down get a wide open three uh you know between the defense falling asleep and then getting stuck on the screen and all of a sudden it's a tie game going into overtime i mean even in overtime you know they they tied it up it just couldn't couldn't get over the hump so uh last week we ended the podcast saying hopefully this time we're talking and they went 2 and 0 and said they went 0 and 2 and now they're going uh two row games so
0: uh not not a very bright day. No, not at all. I mean, it has been the type of season where if it can go wrong for the Heels, it has gone wrong. In the post game, Coach Williams took a lot of the blame for the coaching and especially for I guess not fouling when UNC was up 3 there in the final 10 15 seconds of the game. But then I think a lot of the just of the issues were the players not executing as well. I mean, again, it just kind of, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. It's just been that type of season. What was your takeaway from watching the Clemson game, though?
3: That was pretty much it. And, you know, I think, obviously, every time we do this, we start with a caveat that, yes, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and, yes, he's been doing this a long time. But, you know, nobody is above criticism. And I think what he said in the postgame was pretty fair. I think he knew he didn't. I think it was pretty obvious he didn't feel like he did his best job on Saturday, and I think you know, we kind of all saw it there were again. Stretches, you know, it's been the same thing all season. There's stretches where they look like a competent basketball team, where for the first time in a while, it's kind of you know, fun to watch them, and then they just go back into these awful habits that you saw in the last you know, four or five minutes, and they have these droughts where just it just doesn't make much sense. You're you're, you're kind of clueless about how to fix it because you know they they play well. They get the ball to Baycott. They get the ball to Brooks. Robinson's having the game of his career. You know, if North Carolina is going to win a game, kind of how it looked yesterday was how it was going to be until that last stretch when it just seemed like, I don't know. It's just, it's inexplicable. It's really hard to explain. Um, You can't say that yesterday was about talent because they played better than Clemson, like you said, for pretty much, you know, the entire game for 38 minutes. It wasn't about talent yesterday. It was about execution. It was about coaching. I don't think it was about effort or anything. Um, so that's, I think, the most disappointing thing is that they just didn't finish. And that's been an issue the last two games. You know, the you've seen all the stats going around about, you know, double-digit leads in the Smith Center and what that means and um, leading at halftime in the Smith Center and what that means. And for this team, it just doesn't mean as much as it nearly did um, for uh, teams, you know, the last 15, 20 years under Royal Williams. So... All that to say, there's not a lot to say because it's the same kind of inexplic- inexplicable losses, these blown leads, these turnovers that don't make sense. And um, that's just not something I, I think can be fixed.
0: Sean, what did you think about what Sherelle said? Do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, one, you know, well, one, you know, I thought Playtech played very well for the most part, obviously over 5 from 3. And, you know, if he had been able to get one or two of those to go down, but I thought he did a good job stepping up, hit some... Hit some big shots, and for the most part, played played fairly smart. Um, you know, I think going back to the the last four minutes, you know, you had uh, PlayTech took a hurried hurried three that was fairly contested on the wing, and right after that, Roy kind of flipped out and took him out and put Keeling in for a few possessions. But then, really after that, the goal on the offense was to utilize clock, which they did. However. You know, we we've seen it countless times before that all of a sudden the shot clock's winding down. There's nobody to create, and now we're taking a horrible forced uh, deep two, and that happened several times. Uh, so I, I think you know, watching it and then rewatching it, it would have been nice to, especially with this team, knowing that they don't have the ability to really create shots on their own to try to get Brooks or touch a, a touch to the post down low or to try to you know, draw something up similar to what, uh, Brad, Brad Ronnell was doing for Clemson. So it was a little frustrating to see, you know, it was good seeing obviously the time decrease, but I also felt like I was watching some of those, uh, Butch Davis games where you've dominated the whole game and then you're playing the prevent defense and all of a sudden, uh, the other team scores and, and gets the win at the last second. Uh, so it was a little frustrating kind of playing not to lose rather than playing to win, given what had gone on the whole game.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and look at the rest of the season here now. I mean, at this point, what is there really to salvage, Sherelle, do you think? I mean, UNC has an uphill battle to even make the NIT tournament. The NCAA tournament, they're probably just a couple of losses away from being officially eliminated from that one. So in terms of what they have left to achieve this season, what do you think they can still look forward to?
3: Well, they still have uh, four games total, um, two against State and two against Duke. They're you know, their two toughest rivals or two biggest rivals um, in in the ACC. So I think they have that to look forward to. And then, you know, for the people who will be back next season, um, definitely more than likely Garrison Brooks and Jeremiah Francis and Leaky Black and, and folks like that. It's a chance to keep getting better so that when help does arrive or more help arrives next year, and when you have a similar role next year you're, I guess, uh, better prepared or, or, um, more ready to take that role. I think this year, um, it's been a change for all the guys, you know, Bleaky and Robinson and Brooks, because they've gone from kind of second and third and fourth on the scouting report to first on the scouting report at some points. And that's a huge change. It's just an adjustment that takes a while to make. And the hope is that they kind of bottle these feelings that they have this year. Um, it reminds me, honestly, of um, Jackie and Jawad and Melvin back in the 8-20 and 20 season. That was their freshman year. And, you know, they capped their career with a national championship four years later, but they always talked about how they never forgot how miserable the 8-20 season was, and they used that as kind of fuel and motivation. You know, those things are easy to say, um, you know, in retrospect, but I do think there's a lot of truth in it, that that's kind of what you have to do is to say, you know what, this feeling, you know, frankly, is terrible and I don't want to ever feel it again. And the only way to do that is to keep getting better, to keep working hard. And you have to hope that they can do that. I, I do worry, though, that yesterday just kind of breaks them mentally because you couldn't ask for a better situation for them at home against Clemson, up 10 with uh, you know a couple of minutes left, Brandon Robinson having the game of his career, and they still find a way to lose the game. So, And now they have a week off to think about it. So I just worry about them mentally. But I, that's what you have to hope for is that – They just kind of say, we can't let this happen again and start moving forward and just, you know, take the season now as you have 15 or 16 games left and try to do as well as you can in those 15 or 16 games
0: all right let me take a quick moment to talk about our friends at giant t-shirt and giant shirtcom they are your place to go for carolina gear if you need anything for the tar hill fan and your family you can head to franklin street where giant t-shirt has been in business for decades they have the absolute best customer service and if you can't make it to chapel hill you can always shop online at giant shirtcom where you can enjoy the same great customer service and the same great selection And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders at GiantT-Shirt.com or on Franklin Street. You can get that 10% off code at the Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So that's GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. So, Sean, moving forward kind of beyond this season, looking for the 2020-21 basketball season year there. UNC is going to have a bunch of seniors in Playtech, Brooks, and then Huffman and Manley. The The latter two, though, obviously don't play a whole, whole lot. Black is going to be a junior. And then you're going to have Francis, ha- Francis Harris and maybe Baycott as sophomores. Cole Anthony, I think everyone knows he's going to go pro. And then the incoming freshman. So when you're... Taking into consideration what Sherelle said about how the guys that are on the team this year are going to have this really bad taste in their mouths. They're not going to want to go through a season like this again. What do you think this season will do mentally for the heels that are going to be carrying forward next year and having to interact with these five freshmen that are coming in, all of whom are very highly rated?
2: I think that's a very good question and and one that we'll probably get a lot of talk over the, the summer, but I mean, you're going to have a few guys that are now used to playing 25 plus minutes per game, whether or not that that is deserved or not, but that's still going to be a reality of this is what they're used to. And now, you know, they're going to most likely go back to being second fiddle. Um, So can that create chemistry and, and team issues? I think there could be a good probability for, you know, it could. Um, hopefully it doesn't, but I mean, at the same time now, hopefully it gives, you know, play tech if he's coming off the bench and he has a good half a year of a lot of experience. Now, maybe he's, he's ready to be a strong senior contributor off the bench. Uh You know, right now leaky, I think is a, a big question mark in terms of where you play him. How does he play? Uh But he is getting that experience and, you know, maybe if somebody's getting in foul trouble, you need him coming off the bench, whether it's at guard or or the wing. So, I think at least right now it, it will give experience. Um, I think it will be a very good question in terms of chemistry of how everybody is integrated together. Um, I mean, even you know, even Garrison and Armando, uh, Garrison's having a, a strong year. I mean, I would assume he would test you know test the waters just because there's no downside going into your senior year um you know i, I think the same with armando at least at least has been rumored um you know whether he comes back or decides he wants to, to go to the g league i think is another question but you know how do those two react to to sharpen and, and kessler coming in um so i think definitely a lot of a lot of question marks but hopefully something that can be, be figured out. Uh, I mean, it could be a different story if there's only two or three recruits coming in and and there wasn't a big change. So at least there's a massive upgrade in talent on the way. Uh, but once again, it's been difficult this year, just with all the injuries and right now without Jeremiah, you're basically playing almost a five, five man rotation, um, without a point guard. So hopefully all the difficulties will make everybody stronger, uh, for next season.
3: I think it'll be good because they'll have competition for the first time um, in a long time. You you know, you go back to October and uh, the coaching staff was telling people and Roy Williams was saying publicly they didn't have enough players to go five on five in practice, that they had uh, Kenny Williams in for a while. Kendall, who's on the UNC staff, was doing some things. So I think part of it is that now, uh, assuming there's not a rash of injuries like there were this year, They'll have the opportunity to go against each other and practice to go against each other during the summer, and they can kind of build that chemistry. Even though it's, uh, you know, five, again, five newcomers, it's a little bit different than it was this past season because, um, you know, you knew at least three of the people who came in this year were just going to be one year players, which is uh, Keeling, uh, Pierce, and Cole Anthony. I don't think that's necessarily the case with the 2020 class. They're. Um, I'm confident in saying there's at least three people who will be multi-year players at Carolina uh, from that class. So there will be some continuity. You don't have to worry about, you know, developing that chemistry in just a matter of a few months. You can develop it over the course of a couple of years. So I think that's um, really important for them. And then, you know, um, we talked about, like I said, with competition, you know, there's not going to be anything guaranteed because no one around the program starting with Roy Williams all the way down to anyone else associated with it, wants a repeat of what seems to be happening this season. And so um, seniority might not be as big of a deal as it has been in the past. I think Garrison Brooks is secure uh, next year, but I think outside of that, there's four spots open for a lot of playing time. And uh, it'll be just a matter of who plays well during summer practices in June and July and then when practice starts in late September.
2: One one thing, real quick to to throw out there in terms of Sherelle talking about nothing guaranteed, and I think that'll definitely be the approach outside of Garrison. But I was going through synergy today, just kind of looking at how UNC uh, was was looking at uh, the different spots on offense. So I'll throw it out to both Sheryl and John. But if you had to guess, so out of three hundred fifty three Division One teams, where do you think uh, UNC ranks in transition
0: transition play? All right. I'll give my answer, uh, 328.
3: Yeah, I was, I was going to go in the, in the 320s, somewhere around there.
2: Pretty close. So they, they, they do rank 328 in spot-up shooting, but they rank yeah. uh, 344 out of 353 <sighs> in transition play, which I think, you know, for a UNC team that is usually one of the fastest tempo teams in the country and is known for pushing the ball down and getting transition points. I mean, I think that, you know, that says it all. All right, there in terms of of why the team is is sitting at where they're sitting right now
3: it's like who who do you feel comfortable with finishing in the front in, in transition on this north carolina team
2: anthony harris
3: <laughs> right yep. and he played six games or five yep. games and that was it yep. um cole anthony's hurt so he's not playing and that was something he was adjusting to before he got hurt um and then there's really not an you know someone you would consider a finisher um uh in, in the fast break or in up tempo games that you know they don't really have that on the roster and I think Caleb Love will definitely help with that and I definitely think Daron Sharp will help a ton with that next year.
0: It's yep. that and the and the passing. I mean really who on this UNC team aside from Anthony would you even trust making the correct pass? Because in the Clemson game there was a uh there was a situation where you know Brooks was literally wide open. No one around him and I think it was, it was either Leakey or Robinson threw him the ball, and it should have been a dunk. And he ended up throwing it uh, almost away. Garrison got it, and then ended up getting an and one. And I remember the announcer saying, look at that great pass. And I just thought to myself, that was a terrible pass because it should have been a dunk. I mean, that's the that's my biggest thing is just no one is capable of passing on this team right now. Yeah, what, I think
2: that's yeah, that's kind of understated is just the passing ability where if you're having really good passers, the people are getting the ball in the spots they need, but it's always a little bit to the left or right or a, or a turnover on, you know, some very simple passes. Uh, you know, yesterday I got to watch Gonzaga in person and I was just very impressed by how smart of a team were and how good, pa- you know, pretty much everybody on the team from their bigs to their guards was, you know, they're just very strong passers and getting, getting the ball to people in the spots they needed to score in and here it's usually just trouble even trying to get the ball into the into the post let alone um you know not turning the ball over so definitely agree with that and then one other point is just on on defense and I think you know one thing I would like to see going forward and and hopefully an improvement upon for this year and going into next year for the guys returning is just the focus that they have I think a lot of the time you see you saw in overtime the back doors but You know, there's a few times you could see Armando running back and he just kind of, you know, fell asleep for a few seconds. And all it takes is a few seconds to, um, for your man to pop open or for somebody to set a pick. So I really think the focus needs to improve on a possession by possession basis. So hopefully that's one thing we can see improved, uh, for the
0: guys returning next year. Good stuff, guys. Let's take a very quick commercial break. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
1: Selling a little or a lot?
0: And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Sigley here with Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan. Guys, let's wrap it up with a brief talk about recruiting. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how a season like this could impact a program from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, we know UNC has their class for next year already inked, and it's an amazing class. Moving forward, though, the heels are in it for a lot of elite guys in that 2021 year. But is there any concern that watching the team and their struggles this year could impact those guys? You see it, I think, more in football where, you know, it's kind of you look at the overall program and their trajectory. Basketball, though, can change so quickly season to season. But still, Sean, is there any concern that the struggles of this year might impact recruiting for 2021 guys? I mean, I think there's always
2: concerns i mean i think from a negative recruiting aspect it it will be fairly easy for you know some of the blue bloods or other top schools to to use this especially when it comes to the 2021 class um and going you know going forward but at the same time i mean you look at arizona last year you know they were a pretty pretty poor team in the in the pac 12 and they get three you know five star four star recruits and now they're a fun team and a uh, talented team to watch again. So, you know, I think obviously when it's out, you know, for the spring and summer, UNC doesn't have that buzz, which I feel like they finally did, you know, after the after Kobe White and getting Cole, um and that's kind of quickly uh, gone away, but at the same time, you know, they already have a really strong class locked in. Um and I think you know, for the most part it won't have a great impact, but at the same time you would be crazy not to think that it wouldn't impact anything at all.
3: Yeah. And I think, uh, Ro Williams, we've always talked about how he doesn't really filter himself and he says what he wants to say. And I think he's given other coaches a little ammunition to use now on the recruiting trail for 2021. Now, again, he doesn't care about that, but, um, that's definitely happened. I don't, um, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like, uh, Sean, we were talking offline about Kerwin Walton, who's a 2020 player. And uh you can check out the weekly scoop where we, you know, give out a little more information about him. But what he said was is that um, you know, basketball can change so much year to year more so than other sports. And so he's not really concerned about any of the schools on his list having a down year or um a year that doesn't meet their typical standards. So it, it will it'll have some impact, but I don't think it'll it'll be kind of negligible. Um I don't think there'll be a player who is considering North Carolina heavily and says, oh, they had a bad season in 2020, so I'm not going to go there. I don't think that would be the case.
0: Definitely going to be looking forward to that weekly scoop. And Sherelle, encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast, if you are not a subscriber to the Basketball Premium Message Board, where you can see those weekly scoops, you need to do that. They are by far the best source of information for UNC basketball recruiting. But guys, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, I think both of you guys touched on the fact that UNC's next two basketball games are now at Pitt, which is next Sunday, next Saturday, I apologize, and then at Virginia Tech after that. Two very tough games, so I don't know. We'll just see. Maybe they can dig deep, really surprise some people, and play a complete 40-minute game. So that's kind of where we're
3: at. I don't think it's a good week to have, um, a good time to have a week off, honestly. I think... Uh, the schedule kind of let them down with how this game ended, it'd be great for them, I think, to get back on the court Wednesday. And now they just have to sit there and think about um, not just Clemson winning in Chapel Hill for the first time, but how Clemson won in Chapel Hill for the first time.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, with a week off, uh, I would imagine Roy would be out on the road recruiting. So it'll be interesting to see if if the 2021 list expands at all uh, or or kind of who who the coaching staff is out
0: on the road looking at this week. That's a good point, Sean. Inside Carolina will have full coverage of that. So stay tuned for that. For now, though, we'll go ahead and call this one to an end. Thank you both for talking with me and have a good rest of your Sundays. Thanks, Sean.
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from insidecarolina.com, brought to you by t shirt.com, where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.